Welcome to the Success Journey Show. Let's travel together through the lives of individuals on the road to success. What's going on, travelers? What's going on? We're back again with Ricky Venters and Marlon Madden for the Success Journey Show. Marlon, what's good, bro? How you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. You know, as um, I'm going to say, how are you doing before I start talking? How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I actually wrote down a few things to share. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good, bro. Can't, can't, can't complain at all, man. Just uh, yeah. excited and pumped up for the episode today. Let everyone to share with them. Um, let them hear, you know, our guests, man. Yeah. What's going on with you on your end, man? Yeah, I've been doing a lot before I even go what we did Sunday just to quick overview um you know this episode is going to be very some something that i want everyone to listen to just you know we everybody knows now we pre-recorded the episode and then we came back and did this so yeah. i want you guys to go go really pay attention to this episode get the information you need and just even jog your memory to think about something that your kids are doing and also um the information that she has is very pertinent because ricky and myself we're talking about some of the things that we need to implement to help our, our even our kids yeah, uh absolutely. sunday as everybody know, we went we went to Dagon, uh, 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 Baltimore, and yes, Rick sir. and I walked through our property um, that we that we're closing on, and it was a great. We we have probably like a six seven minute video we'll put together. We're bad with social media people, so we don't have a long video, fifteen minutes or so. We only have a six because we forgot to put the cameras on. So, yeah. but what we have <laughs> is what we're gonna we're gonna give to you guys. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You guys will see be able to walk with us through the journey man. It, it's it's exciting man so this is my first like i said this is my first time so you know it's uh it's extra special you know and, and and i'm just watching observing you know watching the experts you know when you like i i know how kwame brown not let me not say kwame brown let me say uh uh what's that guy's name well i'll use a kwame brown right i know how he must have felt right because he had kobe on his team yeah. At, at that same time, I think it was uh, um, whatever other superstar was on his team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. When he so, went for the wizard over there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 you know, he's stepping out on the court with experts. He's stepping out on the court with veterans. You know, he's stepping out on the court with people that have done this before. And all he's supposed to do is catch the ball, right? I shouldn't say Kwame Brown because he's horrible. But I should say <laughs> someone like, like, uh, yeah, don't compare yourself to Kwame Brown. Yeah, don't do No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But uh, you guys get the point, right? You step on the court, court with people that have done this. Uh, it, this is something that they have trained in for the past few years. And just being able to learn, watch, learn, listen, and contribute, man, wherever you can. And so this is exciting. And we'll show you guys this whole process. And uh, for me, it's exciting and nerve-wracking. I'm not even going to – but for them, it's more exciting. Like, oh, man, it's yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. For me, it, I'm on both sides of it, guys. I'm the, this is my first time stepping in the water. So no matter how <laughs> excited they are and smiling they are, I'm still like, what the – all right. Yeah. And putting up your own money, too, Yeah, putting right? up my own money. <laughs> putting up my own money. I'm like, oh, man, okay, you know. It's, it I'm, better it's work gonna, out. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I work, work hard for yeah, you, <laughs> oh man so yeah guys this is um yeah so it, it, it's good but yeah we're gonna jump right into our guest for the day powerful powerful um story that she has and work that she is doing and we're going to go right into that segment right now but right before that marlon just share uh to our new listeners welcome them and then we'll go straight to the 
episode. new guests. Yep. All right. Let me let, let, let me see if I can do this real quick. A for if you're trying to find us, we're on the successjourneyshow.com. That's our website. Instagram and also um our Facebook is Success Journey Show. If you want to find us on Twitter, success underscore show, YouTube, success journey show, the success journey show. And on any podcast platform, you can find us, the success journey show. And that's it. All right, perfect. All right. All right, everyone. Oh man, we've come to the part of our show that everyone loves, where we yes, get a, a chance to get a behind the scenes of, uh, of an individual that's going on their journey. And today we have none other than a good friend, Winifred Winston. Winifred, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Uh, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself, tell our, our travelers, our listeners around the world, just who you are and where you're from. Okay, so I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. And I relocated to North Carolina. So I landed in Maryland by way of a best friend who had a military husband. Um, I haven't lived in New York since 1989, but it's something about when I say coffee or, you know, when I, I use profanity, it, it just comes out sometimes. So I go ahead and leave with that because I'll slip up and say one word and somebody will say, oh, you're not from North Carolina. Um, but I like to think of myself as a... Um, an enthusiastic um, speaker, a passionate advocate, um, a best-selling author, but more importantly, a proud dyslexia mom. Mm. Um, yeah, so I've been on this journey with my daughter who was identified in 2017 mm. with dyslexia and also ADHD. Mm. And I just went all in. So, so that has kind of been my focus for the last year during a pandemic. Um, not only helping her, but helping other families and specifically helping black and underrepresented minorities. Mm. Wow. 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 I love it. Before, before we start, Rick, uh, what part of North Carolina were you? Oh, I was in, um, well, okay. So I was in this little town called Rayford, but the big city was Fayetteville. Okay. Yeah, I know heard Fayetteville? I know Fayetteville. I was going to say Fayetteville, but I was like, nah, I'm representing. I'm not going there. <laughs> it's Fayetteville. I was going to say that, just like Bodymore, but I wouldn't say that. I would say uh, Fayetteville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Fayetteville. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's funny. You know, Marlon stopped today. I was going to go the same direction. So we're both from New York. I'm, I'm born and raised in New York. He spent a lot of time in New York, not in the penitentiary or anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's where we met both in New York. My family's from North Carolina. Marlon spent some time in North Carolina as well. You said you came to Maryland by way of a military friend. Marlon's also in the military, and that's why he was in those different locations at yeah. the time. Well, so, you yeah, guys can fully understand. Um, I was like born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. I spent a mm -hmm. few years in Harlem with my grandmother. Yeah. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, like, uh, like my, I started high school in New York, boys and girls high school. And my mother uh, moved me to Rayford, which had one high school. Right? Yeah, 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 Can I share a funny story with yeah, you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We love it. Okay. Yeah. So growing up in New York in the eighties and nineties. Okay. Um, the crack epidemic, crack epi yep, that's crack what it epi was, right? It was, it was rampant. And I, I hung out in Flatbush a lot. And so local drug dealers would be on the block or whatever. 
my little self was 12 years old playing CeeLo dice, you know. Mm. I was a New Yorker. I was I was in them streets, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was this kid, me and my friend, we wanted a box perm. They cost $10, right? Mm -hmm. And we were like, let's go over here on this block. Cause you know that that dude who sound real country, he over there, he trying to hustle for somebody. So me and my friends went and robbed him basically. We oh, took wow. all his money. Um, and um we took we took his money, right? And we went and got a box perm. We all got one. <laughs> and he was all scared because he knew all we had to do was go to the other block and tell on him, right? You know uh, what I'm yeah. saying? Like say something. Why? When I moved to North Carolina, he's in the same high school with me, and he is down there. He the man. Oh, <laughs> he is goodness. the man. I'm oh. like, this punk? <laughs> like, we robbed him. <laughs> I called my cousin. I was like, y'all got to come get me. You know, uh, dude, dude on Lincoln Road. Lincoln Road and Rogers. Remember that dude? We took uh, his money. Oh my goodness. He was running, he was running it down there. He was the man. All you had to do was go to New York for a summer, come yeah. back to North Carolina with a with a little accent, and then you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man. So yeah, man, I don't even know where to start, man. There's so many different areas. You know, I guess let's start at the area of you said so over the this COVID now, you have been a hundred percent in focusing on dyslexia advoca advocation. Um, you know, how, how has that been? You know, starting up a this effort and this focus, even just during this time. Well, you uh, know what? COVID, yeah, I, I ran a career consulting business for ten years part time, mm -hmm. right? So I was in self employment. I I heard something recently, and I was like, "Yep, it was self employment because it wasn't entrepreneurship." entrepreneurship yeah it was yeah, self-employment yeah. i had i wasn't yeah, there yet yeah. you're still on the right you know side what i mean quadrant. but yeah. i was part-time i was doing it part-time and i was making the connections but back then 10 years ago you didn't have all this online coaching you didn't have all this access to mentors people kept telling me when i'd ask no you mentor me and i'm gonna be honest as a black young woman i didn't even recognize when other people wanted to connect with me on that level Right. Mm. I, I didn't know what that was. I was taking courses at NYU. So I was traveling to NYU on the weekends for this career counseling wow. course because wow. um, they had the best program. Just hop mm -hmm. on the train, get up there, do homework on the train, come back. Right. And so one of my classmates was like, oh, Winifred, you're the only one that I know that's actually running a business. She was like, would you like to have um, check in calls weekly? And I was mm. like, oh, yeah, I would love to do that. But I didn't really fully understand what mm. she meant when she said that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, when I go back, and she was a white, a white woman too. When I think back, I'm like, wow, that was exactly what I needed. Accountability, somebody to help me scale up, people who were at my level or above. Correct. Right. And so Correct. fast forward, I'm I'm working at Hopkins, right? And and I am I find out my daughter is dyslexic and ADHD and I start navigating that and I don't want to work there anymore right because mm -hmm. all I can think about is I need to get to these appointments I have to do this research yeah, I have yeah, to yeah. figure out how to help my daughter and um one day I was downstairs well on the first floor and it was a young lady um who was really into the church I say that I'm spiritual I didn't grow up in the church I don't go regularly mm -hmm. I do have faith uh, but for whatever reason, I connect with some folks that I feel have um, 
I call it a homegrown connection, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like they, I just connect. I always have a friend or two that I connect with that way. And yeah. I went to my friend and I said, could you please come pray with me? Mm-hmm. And we were downstairs on the first level uh, on a bench in front of the restrooms. And she didn't know what was going on with me. And she just prayed with me. And I said, you know, I don't want to be here. I'm like, I could cash out my retirement. I can start another business. I'm not quite sure what that business is, but you know, I, I'm just consumed with trying to help my daughter and I need that flexibility, right? I'm like, I need somebody to guide me, you know, what I didn't have before. I said, Mm -hmm. I have a, I have all the skills. I just need some help with operations and business. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this was 2018. Yeah. Um, My family had a medical scare. My um, daughter's father was diagnosed with C. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, then her diagnosis and I fainted at work. Mm. I fainted at work. And when I came to, I had left side paralysis and I couldn't speak or move my left side for 90 minutes or so. Mm. When the ambulance came, they was like level, like whatever two, level two stroke, stroke. I immediately panicked. I lost my mother at 23 to a stroke. And then I mm. lost her to death at 25. I'm like, I'm 40, what, 42 at the time. And my daughter is what, eight? I'm like, this can't go down like this. Mm -hmm. And my neurologist was like, you were internalizing all that stress, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to, you got to do something. You got to change some things. And I'm thinking like, I'm handling it good. You know, he's going to be fine. You know, we're going to find a school for her. Meanwhile, help for her within three days, we were told I needed $22,000, right? So uh, then we got tutoring. And then we had to pay a driver to pick her up from school. So I'm like, okay, she's not even doing any after, after school activities. This is BS. Let's just put her in a private dyslexia school. They cost 30,000 plus. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm learning all of this and I That's faint. Going along. Yeah. Oh, I faint and I, um, I'm on FMLA, mm-hmm. right? And um, I get a DM in my, well, it's not even called a DM. I guess on your inbox on Facebook. The business mm-hmm. page. Message. Because okay, at this yeah, yeah. point, I still have up my Facebook business page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't even really know how to check the messages. So I don't mm. even know how I landed in the business inbox. <laughs> right? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this gentleman is like, he tells me his name and he was like, and I'm trying to help um, my wife determine if you're her sister. She, You were, um, you were a match on Ancestry.com and I just want to help her find out if you're her sister or not. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay, I grew up with pen pals. No, word up right on magazine. I'm all here for it. You know, here's yeah, my yeah, number. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I skimmed through her Facebook and I see that she ran with Black Girls Run. I ran with Black Girls Run. I'm scrolling. Oh, she walked across the stage like she has somebody degree. I was like, I have a degree. I was like, I'll take her. Most of my siblings were on crack and alcohol growing up in New York. Mm. So I'm like, I'll take her. She could be my sister. I'm not thinking anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, I'm really like very nonchalant. I have eight or nine. I always have to count. I have four. She makes five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, I have nine siblings total, right? So mm. it's a, 10 of us total, right? And that was on a Tuesday. So later that evening, we called, she called me and she told me this one thing that really made me think, uh-oh this could be it. Like she really could be my sister. She said that her mother told her his name was Fred Winston. 
which is my father's name. And she was like, well, Douglas, Douglas, Douglas Winston. Well, he went by Douglas, but mm. his name is Fred Douglas Winston. But here's the thing. This is what she said that nobody talks about in my family. She said, you're not going to probably, you're probably not going to be able to find him because Winston is not his family name. That's his mother's married name. So my uh, father was married twice with his first wife, all of my siblings, I have four from his first wife, their last name is Perry and they have my mm, father's last name. Mm, when my father married my mother, he married her with his legal name, which is Winston. Mm, Nobody talks about that in the family, but I always ask my mom, if we all have the same dad and we both have his last name, why do they have the name Perry and we have the last correct. name Winston? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, he was born in 1936. They told him, boy, that Winston man ain't none of your pappy. Your pappy, Thomas Perry. So he started going by Perry because that was his biological father's name. When he went into the reserves, the government said, boy, come here, colored boy. This ain't your real name. Your real name, your legal name is Winston. So then mm -hmm. he started going by his legal oh, name again. Man. So for her to tell me that, I was like, wait a minute. This could really be my sister because nobody talks about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, the yeah, only yeah. one who questioned that. So Friday, um, she comes down from Virginia with her husband. I'm going to speed it up. We meet. She is my sister. We look more alike than any of the eight siblings from my dad. Wow. She's a, um, I told her, you know, we're talking about what you do, what I do. We both bought our house the same year. We both have graduate degrees. We're the first of our parents to have a graduate degree. Um, uh, I said, you know, I ran a business. I want to start a new one. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but I want to do something more digital and online. And she's like, oh, I, I, I have an online business. I just quit my six-figure job at Booz Allen, and, and that's what I do full-time. I said, yeah, I just paid this book coach in November, but then right after the new year, we got this diagnosis in the family, then I fainted. She was like, I'm a book publishing consultant. I'm a three-time Amazon best-selling author. <laughs> oh okay so so i'm on fmla oh, shortly wow. after praying you, you you understand what i'm saying i'm, I'm on I'm, fmla i'm, I'm, I'm picking, I'm I'm picking I'm up what you're putting down yep, right yep, yep. so this sister and i talk almost every day um she speaks at different conferences i go with her all of the people in her space are are millionaires um very successful business people i'm manning her table right? Selling her books. Um, I'm her personal assistant. You need some water, take the shoes. I'm, I'm doing whatever. I'm just there with her trying to get to know her, but I'm in this space. I'm in, mm -hmm. I'm in conferences in Vegas. Um, I'm meeting like I, I've met some celebrities brother. I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, I have your book. My sister gave me your book. Cause it was for children. It was a yeah. children's book and I'm meeting people that I'm seeing their ads on Facebook. Right. And I'm like, I know you. I think I know you. Oh, <laughs> you know, because I'm seeing them all the yeah, time. Yeah, 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 and I'm yeah. in this space with black people who are successful. Some have high school diplomas. Some don't. Right. They are successful business people who who want to help each other. Hmm. Right. So hmm. by way of my sister, I met a young lady and um, she was coming here from Virginia to Maryland for a business conference. And she said, hey, Winifred, I have an extra ticket. You want to come? I'm like, absolutely. And I go to this conference. And while I'm in the room, I just have a, a moment where this woman is talking about Facebook groups and building your tribe and building your community. 
And right there, it came to me, dyslexia advocation. And I was like, I'm gonna start a, uh, um, I'm gonna start a group to help black parents. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna build my community. Mm-hmm. And so that name came to me, but I called the, the Facebook group something else, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 10 years ago, folks would ask me, why aren't there any black, why, why your website looks so neutral? You know, as black entrepreneurs, that's what we think we have to do. It can't be <laughs> yeah, all black. So that always stayed with me. And it was still kind of in my spirit a little because I named the group winning over dyslexia or something like that. And then I said, okay, I have this group, but I want to start putting out product to help parents, but I didn't want to charge them. Right. Because I knew that that $22,000 price tag was hanging over other parents' head. Mm, and I'm yeah. not talking about just like low income parents. Cause every time I tell people I want to reach black and underrepresented, they automatically think low income. Yeah, well, yeah. no, we didn't qualify for low income, but it was, it was a, a, a stretch for us to pay. Let me, let me listen to this. $123 an hour for 10 hours a week. Mm. Add in the 150 a week for Mr. Larry to pick her up from school and take her to tutoring. Cause her dad and I work nine to fives, mm. right? And and now in this area in Maryland, tutoring costs anywhere from 70 to 123 if you want a dyslexia mm. tutor. Yeah. However, I didn't even know I had other options, right? Mm. I just, that was the place, okay. One place I heard of and I went there. So I thought, you know what? I don't wanna do a for-profit again cause I wanna really help. And I don't wanna do this alone. That's what I said. I don't want to do this alone like before, right? Because I was alone. Now, by this point, um, I've written a book with my sister. Um, I'm in an anthology of her. Now I'm a best-selling author. I've contributed to one anthology about dyslexia with a whole nother person who who is a visionary author to teach educators. It was an opportunity that presented itself. I was like, yep, I can write it. And um, I was in the hospital with a kidney stone wrapping up my, my chapter. Oh my right? goodness. <laughs> yep. <laughs> On my birthday too. Oh my God. Um, so right before, let's see. And so when all of this was going on and I fainted, right? And I went back to work, I met this sister. I said, let me change careers. And I left Hopkins to go be director of admissions of a special education school, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Because everybody that helped me was white and a lot of them were wealthy. And I said, well, what do they know and have access to that I don't? I'm educated. Mm. I know people. I have like two wealthy friends, right? But I'm like, <laughs> well, what's the secret? And so I become director of admissions. So now I'm reading evaluations from different providers all across the state of Maryland. Right. I can I'm, I'm able to determine if a provider is not worth the twenty eight hundred or thirty five hundred that they charge the parent. Like mm-hmm. uh, this is not nobody I would refer. Right. I'm looking at language in the reports. I can mm. see how certain wording is used for black children mm. versus white children. Mm. Right? I'm looking at whose packet gets referred. Right. Because mm. I refer it to the the admissions committee which one goes to the next step and which one doesn't. Yeah. And what happens when I speak up a little bit? Because oftentimes I didn't feel comfortable enough to speak up when I saw something that I didn't necessarily agree with. Mm. And now I have attorney friends, right? Mm. Um, because the attorneys and the advocates, they meet, they all work yeah. together. And now mm. I have uh, friends who are psychologists. So now I take my daughter's report and I'm like, would you like to go to brunch? 
I'm like, let's do brunch. Yeah, let's catch up. I have a report. Everything is redacted. I'm like, can you just look at this? Because I need help as an admissions person, you know, to understand how to read these reports better. This is not my strength area expertise. We chuckle, we laugh. She knows it's my daughter's report. And so she says to me, well, you know, sometimes if the parent has the same condition, they don't always see it. Kind of went over mm -hmm. my head. And I said, well, what condition? <laughs> so I, I go to my primary and I'm like, yeah, you know, my daughter has dyslexia. We found out with her diagnosis that her dad is dyslexic, never identified, never got any help, struggled in school and still didn't graduate college. Right. And, and so now I see it as um, through the adult lens. And when I'm working at Hopkins, I'm interviewing all these city residents for entry level jobs across the enterprise. Mm -hmm. And I'm interviewing folks. and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Well, they didn't pass the 100 question assessment. Hmm. Right? And it hit me when one of my former students who I know, because I was her teacher, she had dyslexia and she had trouble with comprehension. And hmm. she texts me because I still keep in touch with him. Miss Winston, I'm about to get a job at John Hopkins, right? She texts me that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope she applied on the university side. There's no assessment, but all the jobs and entry level jobs are mostly on the health system side. And sure enough, I checked in the system and she wasn't successful on the assessment. And I know as her teacher, she could not pass that 100 question assessment without accommodations. But I also know that young black girl did not ask for accommodations, hmm. right? So all of this is going on and I'm working at, now I'm working at the uh, private school yeah, and I yeah. worked there one year. When I leave that job, I said, you know what? A nonprofit is the way to go. I've got the connections now because I'm also a state leader with a grassroots organization called Decoding Dyslexia, right? Mm. I'm one of Annapolis. I'm can, can I ask you, can uh -huh. I ask you one thing? I know some of our listeners are, are travelers. We call them travelers, like Ricky said, um, are, are listening. What are some of the symptoms that you see when you yeah. that could that can let somebody that know be like, you know what, you might be dyslexic? Because I'll tell you, I got some symptoms, but go ahead, let me see. So, so for my daughter, I knew when she was in pre-K, when she left daycare, I knew something was going on because a lot of the kids were reading and she wasn't. She's my only child. My first child was like, okay, don't compare her to other kids. But she had a very uh, vast vocabulary, right? At three, she was saying defecate. She yeah. was very inquisitive. She asked a lot of questions. It's not enough for to say, oh, the sky is blue. But why is the sky blue? And then what happens up there? Why are they moving? And then the rain clouds look like a different blue, mommy. And now they're gray. Like she would just go on and on. And when she got in private school, small little, I call it the small affordable private schools, mm -hmm. she learned Bible verses. She learned those. But when we would do the spelling words, she learned those, right? Five. Then the next week, we try to add on additional five and go back and review the previous five. It was like she never learned the first five, hmm. right? And she didn't want to try to read. So we have a nephew. I have a, a great nephew, same age as her. He wrote her a letter. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Kane wrote your letter here. Read it. She didn't want to read it. She didn't even want to try right? Hmm. And so I just noticed she wasn't able to decode and attack the words. Hmm. Something was, I didn't know what it was, but she was so little and something just wasn't clicking. Now, now I know um, a lot of times folks think that dyslexia is mixing the, the B and the D, the reversal. That's visual yeah. perception, right? And the reason why that's visual perception is because it's literally the same symbol, 
Think mm. about it. The P, yeah. the Q, the B, the D, it's the same symbol. It's just turned around. So some dyslexics have trouble with left and right. They mm. know what it is, but like turn left, they got to think about it. And then they go, oh, this is my left hand, right? Yeah. And that's a processing delay. Dyslexia is a language-based learning disabilities, whereby it's neurological. The brain has trouble associating speech sounds to symbols, and those mm. symbols are letters. Mm. So that's mm. why it impacts the ability to read, write, and spell. So if a young child has a speech impediment or trouble with articulation, that's a red flag, mm. right? They need to be reevaluated later because they may in fact have a learning disability because again, it's a language-based learning disability. So um, my daughter wrote on cursive in private school, so we didn't see the reversals. When she got to public school, we started seeing the reversals. Um, another thing, so you know, black parents, we will say this all the time, and, and my grandmother folks said it to me, get your words out, use your yeah. words. Well, I would say that to her, use your words, get it out. Well, with a dyslexic, a neurotypical brain, when we're speaking and talking, it'll go from here, right here, right to the back. And then you say what it is you want to say. For a dyslexic brain, it may go here, it may go here, it may go here, it may go here. So it takes them a little while to get it out, right? So you have to give them time, right? Mm. And, and um, when you get older, you start realizing that you're not reading and you, you can't figure the words out. Right. You know how you try to read around mm. and then your comprehension is impacted. Mm. Right? I'm, I'm so, laughing because that's me. <laughs> yeah. Her dad, when we went to one of the private schools to tour and they were going over, as soon as she was identified, I knew he was dyslexic because when he was in school, I, I was pregnant with her in graduate school. I graduated <clears throat> and I graduated with a 3.5. So then he went back to try and finish his bachelor's. And I'm all like, you taking time away from the family? Why are you not making A's and B's? Like this, no, this is, you know, you're an adult. What's going on? And I would read over his papers for him and he would leave off the ED or the S, right? And I'm like, oh, it's his Baltimore accent. But no, he wasn't mm. hearing those sounds, right? But mm. I, I didn't know. He wasn't hearing those sounds, wow. right? And so a lot of times dyslexics will mispronounce words. People laugh when folks say zinc. And what is that other word for spaghetti? Spaghetti or something like that? I mm. can't even say it, but it's the wrong way to say spaghetti. But mm. folks laugh and chuckle. Or oh, when someone can't say street, they say street. Street, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like those are telltale signs. And they can't say specific. They say Pacific, mm -hmm. right? And, and folks just like to pick and say, oh, people don't know how to talk or they don't know. But sometimes they're not hearing those sounds with those symbols so they can't mm -hmm. articulate it correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you. Well, how about how about if you're reading, right? <laughs> and you see a word like, like, um, say you see a word like comfortable, mm -hmm. and you just read it, and you're like, um, container. That could and be just... a sign as well, right? That that could be a sign <laughs> as well. I, I don't know how to spell, right? I'm, um, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. That, that I could be mildly, mildly dyslexic. However, most dyslexics have average to above average intelligence, right? So I've always been in honors classes. I've always been in advanced classes. I've always done well. 
I would have never picked up. I would have never been picked up, right? Mm. Because the way the school system is designed, you have to wait to fail. Mm. Right? I would have to be failing to get help, but nobody sees yeah, behind the yeah, scenes yeah, yeah. with a lot of dyslexics how hard they're working. Yeah, right. How me. much brain capacity they're using just to access the information. So a lot of adults who are really bright didn't get identified until college. Right. Mm -hmm. Because now the reading is more demanding. The comprehension has to be on point. So when you struggle to read, it therefore can impact your comprehension. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'm mildly dyslexic, but I do know now that I have a brother that is severely dyslexic and it is hereditary. Mm, right. Mm. Um, for me, my primary said, oh, you're ADHD. I diagnosed you back in 2009. And I'm gonna be honest, you guys, I didn't hear her. I thought she gave me the hookup because I went to her and said, I'm in graduate school. I'm stressed as hell. Give me something. So I thought she was giving me the hookup that people took in graduate school. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear nothing about no ADHD. Like, what? I didn't know that. I, I didn't. <laughs> So when her dad, when we were at one of the private schools and they were telling all the signs and symptoms of dyslexia, he said to me, I got it. And I, I'm like, you have what? He was like, I have dyslexia. And I'm like, okay, okay. But he never knew. But when I asked him, he did have speech when he was like in pre-K, right? When he was like young, young, I said, you should have been reevaluated, mm. right? But, but therein lies that education in the black and brown community. But then I also yeah. know there's that label. And back then, what they did was just dump you in special ed, special education Correct. classes with folks who were developmentally or intellectually disabled, which is mm. different than a, a specific learning disability, right? Yeah. So um, when I left the private dyslexia school, I went to work for Humanum. And I knew that um, the VP there, her position was vacant for three years. And I would be coming on as director and I would um, be managing a staff of four. So I started investing in, in professional development for myself in the mm -hmm. nonprofit space. Cause although I've partnered with nonprofits, I never worked for a nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, get so I just invested in some training. And then I said, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and, and do a nonprofit. And I, I hired this law firm to do the paperwork but I didn't think anything of it. This was like November, 2019, <laughs> right? Didn't think anything of it. The new year comes. I'm going um, November. I go out to Portland, Oregon to the International Dyslexia Association Conference. It is a sea of white people. And mm. I've gone to a predominantly white undergrad graduate school. I've been the only black person of two first jobs I had here in Maryland. So I've been in these spaces. Right. And, and that mm -hmm. has been an advantage in advocating for my daughter because there were a lot of spaces, even her dad felt a little uncomfortable. And I'm like, nah, we going to this little wine sip out here in Green Spring. Like we going, we showing <laughs> yeah, up, yeah, 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 you yeah. know? And I thought, oh my gosh, like where are the black people? It's hereditary, you know, like where are they? So I'm taking selfies with every black person I could find. I'm like, Hi! <laughs> I'm just like, we're here, we are here. But it was very eye-opening because when I started the journey, I couldn't find help. I didn't know where mm. to go. And mm. it wasn't until I navigated and I purposely said, I need to put myself in a space where people are, of a different socioeconomic status than me. Mm. That, that was my thing because I said, when I go to this center, people are coming in left and right and they're paying that 123 an hour. Yeah. Right. Mm. I need to go where they are. Yeah. So the pandemic happened and they shut down my whole division. 
right? Um, we have a grant with the state, this, the world is shut down, we can't provide the service, so we can't build. So there goes, you know, all of our staff. And I said, well, um, I have never done nothing, right? I was ADHD <laughs> all this time and didn't know it. And constantly <laughs> having all these jobs and doing all this. I was a, I had a full-time job one time. I was adjunct teaching three sections in person and then adjunct career coaching all the way in Arlington, Virginia. Like I'm used to doing things. Mm. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll work the nonprofit. And I started going through that training I invested in prior to that was supposed to help mm. me with Humana. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the paperwork came through. And Ooh. I said, well, you know what? My daughter is now in a private dyslexia school and they went back to in-person in, in August. And I start working my nonprofit full time. Like wow. I take her to school, I come home, I sit right here. I, I get in front of this computer and I was doing board recruitment. I was interviewing folks. I got me a good working board. I start setting Ooh. the foundation, right? Because I knew that was my Achilles heel from previous right? From mm. 10 years ago, that business side, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. how you start your business is how it'll end, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. and, and so I was like, I have to get the foundation correct. I've already got a, a following in this space because now I was saying earlier, I'm state uh, state leader with uh, decoding dyslexia. Yeah. I started yeah. a chapter here in Baltimore City. I manage our Baltimore City Facebook group. I do have the Facebook group and I changed the name right after george floyd and all of the unrest yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i was i was attacked <clears throat> yeah i'm gonna say attacked by some white women who were a part of the same organization that i was a part of and it really hurt my feelings right and when i mean mm. i cried a couple of nights because i said here in maryland my my team we, we don't have those issues. We have hard conversations. And yes, there are some clueless white people because there always will be, right? Yeah, but yeah. we have those conversations and and no one ever made me feel uncomfortable. Hmm. However, however, after that experience during Black Lives Matter, I had to do a lot of self-reflection because as a black woman, as an athlete too, at a predominantly white university, I was always faced with racism. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I just was right. And then coming to the Maryland area and, and working a job where I was called a banana girl, which, which sounds kind of bad, but I was doing quality analysis of bananas. Uh, but but they said it in a malicious way. They got a why, chance why, to say it. Why you exactly. had that tone? Why you had that tone when you said it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then um being referred to as a colored girl by a very prominent wealthy man that's in Baltimore. I didn't know who he was then, but now I know. And um mm. working a job when Katrina happened, 2004, and having a, a discussion with some white young colleagues. And they started saying, Winifred's an angry black woman. Don't talk about Katrina in front of her because I wanted to give up my spare bedroom for somebody from Katrina. Cause I was like, I have a two bedroom. Somebody can be here, you know? And they were saying, well, why wouldn't they have a bank in another town? And me coming from North Carolina, right? From that little small town, knowing that when my mom had a stroke I couldn't take my mother in no other bank but that hometown bank and have her scribble her signature and that lady mm -hmm. look at me with puppy eyes because she know my mother and she know me right yeah. you know what I'm saying I'm like yeah. you don't understand they that that's a 
some of them never left that town and I'm going yep. back and forth with these privileged white kids, right? Yeah. And they were like, oh, Winifred's an angry black woman. Don't mention anything about Katrina and them poor people out there. It was just a mess. So after that experience, I would muffle my voice, mm. right? Because sometimes when you're the only black person at the table, you're not given an opportunity to really leverage that seat, mm. right? A lot of times we always say, oh, we need more diversity. We need more black people at the table. But sometimes when you're the only black person at that table, you aren't given any any level yeah yeah, yeah. You know yes, yes. I mean? so yes. for me i think when parents were hitting me up one off about this all white space of dyslexia and i'm like no they want to help they mean well i think i became a little complacent and mm. kind of overlooked some things myself mm. right because mm. of my experience it was nothing for me with fake hair right with 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 african earrings to be in an all white space and tell the people oh no it's fake Oh no, it's crocheted and you want to see? Like that's that's who I am. Yeah. Right? But every other black person who may not have worked around white people, who may not have lived around white people, don't always feel that comfortable. comfortable. Yeah, right? Yeah, 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 and yeah. so it made me take a hard look at myself like, wow, there were probably a lot of opportunities that I missed to check some white folks, mm. right? Because some of what they said might have just went right over my head because mm. I'm like, "Oh no, I'm getting help for my daughter." If this is where the help is, this is where I'm going. So yeah. I changed the name to Black Parents Winning Over Dyslexia. Mm -hmm. And I was very intentional. My website is Black on Black on Black, um, minority, minority, people of color, right? I'm very intentional. And I want to help all parents, right? Don't get me wrong. I want to help all parents. But I know as a Black person, when we go and apply for jobs and we look at schools, we look at faculty. That's the first thing we do. How many, oh, wow, okay, it's no black faculty here, no black teachers here. You know what I mean? We yep, need to yep, feel comfortable. Yep, yep. We need to feel some level of comfortability before we enter a space, right? Yeah, yeah. White people don't, they still hit me up. The group is black parents winning over dyslexia. Winifred, I heard you on a, a, a webinar. I want to join the group. Like they still come. Well, why do you think, why do you think that, that um, a lot of black people, are scared to say, are scared to say that, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to help my community because, you know, like they say, you know, like you have, you, you have the Asian community and they're intentional to say, this is an Asian community. We, um, San Francisco, little, uh, you have a Chinatown, almost every big city. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Ru uh, a Russian will say hey, the, the Italians, the, um, everybody, it, it um, does Jewish that, community, but yeah, yeah. the Jewish community, you go to a Jewish community just here in Baltimore, right? Everything is right, written in, um, in Hebrew or the <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect nobody. Right. I don't. And so everything is written and they, and they have their own centers. They have everything. But when it comes to us, it comes, it, it feels like we're demonized from the outside and also from the inside for us saying, you know, we are pro, we're pro black, meaning that we're just trying to help out our community, not that we're ostracizing anybody else, like you said, but why do you think that that is, is so prominent in our, in our black communities? Yeah. That, is, that is a result of systemic racism, right? And that's years of conditioning, right? So think about it. Like I went to a predominantly white university 
right? I grew up in New York and my mother had me in private school and it was all black. I was like, oh, I've, I've been all black all my life. I'm going to go to a predominantly white university because I need to learn how to work with white people. We're taught to assimilate to them. Right. That's what we're taught to assimilate to them. Mm-hmm. For me and my traumatic uh, <clears throat> childhood and, and um, I was sexually assaulted my first, uh, my senior year rather in, of high school my senior year of high school Mm. and went off to college and had PTSD, right? Mm. I would have been better served at an HBCU Mm. where they would have wrapped their arms around me. I wouldn't have been the only one that had something like that happen to them, right? They they would have wrapped their arms around me and built me up, right? Mm. Mm. I went to this PWI because I thought I needed to go to a white university that's gonna look more prestigious, that's gonna look better right? Where I was constantly fighting and trying to prove myself over Over and over over. again and into the workplace. And as a community, as a culture, we don't support each other. Mm. That's the thing. When you look online um, and you see things about DMX, you see things about uh, Puff Puff Diddy because Black Rob just died. We're the first one to tear each other down. Correct. Black white folks don't call each other out. They support. Yeah. You'll be wrong as hell. They support. Mm-hmm. We'll be the first person to dr- Mona Scott, prime example. I don't like that stuff, right? Correct. You know, I watched Love with Basketball Wives like one season to support. That's not my cup of tea. But the way Remy Moss said it, she said that woman has given a platform for people to be able to take care of themselves that they would not have otherwise had. Right. And for a black woman in that industry, she already has other challenges. Right. Mm -hmm. So like culturally, we don't do that. And when we do do it, the first thing they say, I just posted, we're going to start a podcast, the black and dyslexic podcast. The man jumped in and said, I've been a, I've been associated with dyslexia for decades. Are there, is there going to be a white in dyslexia, a pink in dyslexia, an orange in dyslexia? Like, dude, come on. Come on, like, you know what I'm saying? And so for the black community also, we don't want another label, Yeah. right? We already label, we already target, right? I didn't want to believe my daughter had ADHD. I'm like, oh, she's a black girl. Like, that's why they saying that. And it's a medical code, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. My ignorance, not really understanding what ADHD is. And the whole time I'm ADHD and don't know it because now you have like a black child a black boy, a black girl, you know, now we're going to add this, this label, this diagnosis, this identification, right? But what I tell parents who are hesitant, I said, do you want the correct label or the wrong label? Because hmm. they will label your child. They will yeah. label him or her lazy. They will label them emotionally disturbed. I've seen yeah. that yeah. on so many yeah. reports. Yeah. Yeah. They will label them a, a behavioral issue. I said, let's keep it real. They may label them inmate one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Yep. Right? There's a study out of Texas. 80% of inmates are illiterate. 40% are dyslexic. In uh, January, December, December of 2018, Donald Trump signed the First Step Act. Do you know it states that federal prisons must screen and treat dyslexia? But we can't get public schools to even say dyslexia. So they're waiting until black and brown folks are incarcerated. And then then provide the service for them. You know what I mean? Wow. So there's a lot attached. There's a stigma in the community. We know that grandpa can't write 
grandma read everything to him, but he could fix everything and he could manage the house. He could build uh, everything from the ground up with a picture or thought in his head. Grandpa couldn't read. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and culturally, we don't discuss, we, we, don't, we don't embrace anything because we are conditioned to think that it's a handout. When yeah. these millionaires were paying and, and pretending like their kids had disabilities so they could get accommodations for SAT. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right? Yeah, they yeah. tell us that we are on welfare and we always want to hand out. But the data will show you that white people are the, are the largest Believing. population yep. on welfare. Yep. yep. But they will have you believing that black people lazy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's so many factors and it all boils down to systemic racism. And so I want to remove that stigma. I want yeah. to educate parents, right? So that students and families can start getting help, right? But, but yeah. I'm gonna tell you, this journey that we've been on, we've been at two private dyslexia schools. The mm. first school, um, we were the only African-American family um, my daughter was being mistreated, didn't feel safe, didn't feel like she belonged. Um, even the, the other little black girl in her grade was picking with her. She says, I was the only black girl and she came and stole my thunder. And I said to Logan, I said, well, you're not the only black girl. She said, we're the, my daughter was eight. She said, we're the only black family, mommy. Her parents are white and they treat her different. Oh, wow. Ooh, wow. My daughter was eight, right? Uh, so here I am. We're limited in the private dyslexia schools, right? Yeah. Every school doesn't match my daughter's profile or she doesn't match every school's profile because yeah. now it's even harder. It's not like a traditional private school. You know, when you talk about kiddos with learning disabilities, certain schools have a certain profile that they cater to. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking she has to learn to read, like we're not leaving. I'm also a state leader at the time, right? With decoding dyslexia. I'm also director of admissions at a sister school. I'm gonna say sister school, another school. I'm in this space, right? But now yeah. I need to address that these kids are calling my daughter racist and, and treating her different. And the teacher is asking her what her hair looks out, looks like rather when it's out. And the teacher is not calling her by name. Mm. And my, my daughter is asking me things like, mommy, are adults fake nice? I'm like, what do you mean? She was like, you know, do they pretend to be nice? I didn't know what she meant, but one day it hit me, I got it. Every time I would come to pick her up, this one teacher would be like, hey, Logan's mom, how you doing? He could be way on the other side and he's yelling, trying to get me, hi. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what she's talking about. It doesn't feel genuine, mm. right? It doesn't feel genuine. She's picking up on that. And so I had to make that hard decision. Okay, we have to leave the school. Yeah. It's not working out. Will we even get into the next school? Mm -hmm. right? so, so even trying to find a school, because they're very expensive, but yeah, even yeah. navigating, right? When she was doing that tutoring, I went to see an attorney because now I'm learning how the process works. He says, stop the tutoring. I'm like, stop the tutoring because I was just doing a, 200, $250 consultation. He wasn't my legal counsel. You know, he didn't really explain that to me. But by me doing the tutoring, the public school, I'm actually helping them. I'm hurting a case against them, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm paying for this tutoring. And my mom, I leave there crying. I'm like, no, my baby, her confidence is growing. You know, she's learning how to read now. But I'm like, okay, I'm paying for the tutoring. I don't have a two to $3,000 retainer. Yeah. For the attorney, it, it on a on on a we might win, 
right? We might win a non-public placement, right? And it's a lot involved. You don't just, um, your child is not just found eligible for an IEP and then the school's gonna do what they're supposed to do. Hmm. No, you have to learn how to read that IEP. I'm looking here to see. Yeah, while you look, I wanna say, I wanna say like, something. Yeah. I wanna be pages. Ooh, I wanna be very transparent hmm. right now. Yeah. You know, when you start talking about all this, this I'm gonna tell you, this is the first time on our show that we've, we have touched on a lot of topics when it comes to the black community. Um, you know, when George Floyd, we, we talked about it. We've talked, we've, we've spoken to um, officers, but in this, on this show, we've never directly say, this is what's happening on the black side, white side. What we've, never, we've never done that. And when you started to really talk, I'm going to be very transparent. My mind was like, man, what, um, I have a, I'm in the military. I have a lot of white friends. So I'm like, man, they're going to hear this. They're going to think we're going against. But then I'm, th I'm the more I'm listening to you, what's happening to me now is I'm, th I'm remember, I'm not remembering. I have a sister that who you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I have a sister that's a lawyer. I have a sister that's a teacher. I have a sister that's a nurse. Um, Ricky's wife is also Nicole. She's a counselor at the school. Mm -hmm. And with with cameras off, these are the things that we talk about mm -hmm. that we see that happens mm -hmm. in our communities and that's happening to us and stuff like that. And sometimes we're scared to even voice it aloud because we're like, you know, we're just going to like you said, we're just going to move to the space of this. One, we're just going to move to the space. And right now, I'm very happy that you're very intentional about what you're talking about, because there's somebody that's going to hear listen to this on both sides of the spectrum, either black or white, that's gonna be able to understand what's yeah. going on in a community. So then when they approach that person, they understand when they say colored, that's a disrespect. If you thought yeah. that was being nice to somebody, it is not. No. Don't call us colored. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? When, 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 you're, when, when you ask a, 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 a black lady, what does your hair look like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are the things that right now, because of all the unrest that's going on right now, this topic that you're talking about in the, and you being so straightforward will help both communities to come together to understand what's going on and why in certain communities things are happening. And so I wasn't always that direct. When, 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 when my community of dyslexia moms attacked me and hurt my feelings, um, it, it gave me a new lens, right? It yeah. gave me a new lens. It's like now or never. Because when my daughter was first faced with racism, she was seven years old. I went to a speaking event on how do you talk to children about racism? And one thing that this man said that was profound, he was like, I'm in my late 50s, 60s. He said, I grew up in the South. He was like, you think you're protecting your child by not talking about it. He said, back then there was no protection. He said, I went to the store one day and my shoe always came untied and my mother would get on me, tie your shoe, boy, tie your shoe. He said, I'm going to the store and I didn't tie my shoe. The white man stepped on it and said, I caught one, I got a nigger and mm. stepped on his shoe. And he looking and he looking and he gets away and he runs home and he tells his parents what happened. And his father shot out the door. He thought he would never see his dad again. Mm. He thought his dad was going to die. Mm. that child understood racism. Mm. 
Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, wow, I got to have a talk with my daughter, right? Even though she's still saying colors, but the world was going to show her regardless. Correct. Right. And because Correct. we don't have these conversations, we can't grow and get better. Correct. My Correct. advocacy, my fight for my daughter looks different than a white person. They're not immediately questioning, do you read at home? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Do you read to your child at home? Are you taking time or or you're too busy? You're too busy to really follow up on the IEP. And most of the parents we're here in the city. A lot of folks in the city don't leave the city. The mm, parents no, are products no, no. of a failed special education system. Correct. Correct. Right. So they either don't trust the school system. And so they don't want no parts of it. Or they're like, oh, hand thrown in the air. They did me dirty. They're going to do my child the same way. Right. So we have mm. to have these conversations because I had a school not call me back. And let me tell you, my white friend said, well, tell me about the meeting. How did it go? And I told her what I said. She was like, no, Winifred, don't say financial aid. That looks negative. Say you need a sponsorship. She was telling me what words to use. Wow. I went in there like financial aid, financial aid. Y'all got financial aid? Like, and wow. then when I became director of admissions, you are yeah. kind of asking certain questions to gauge, right? Where that if person this is. family yeah. will be able to Before. enroll. You are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and these people didn't even know what code switching was at the yep. white school that, that we had to leave. I had to explain to her what code switching was. Yeah. And we take for granted, why would a white person know what code switching is? Correct. When Correct. would they have, have to, to code switch? Exactly. They, they don't. They and don't. they don't even have to dress up as much as we do at work. I'm Correct. Correct. Oh, Correct. So right You're about 100%. that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. We, <laughs> so right on that. So you, know, right. you know, it's crazy. Well, I'm gonna say crazy, but you know, I've known Winifred now. We, we, right when we started, before we started recording, we were. I was going back to when I first met her. We may have said it at the beginning of the show, may not, but that was around four, five, maybe five years ago, something like that. Yeah. And let me tell you from my perspective, when you transitioned away from Hopkins, right? And the reason why I'm sharing this with you guys is because you don't know what someone else's journey is um and what they're dealing with on their on their road right and um so you know Winifred and I used to be at uh regular meetings together on a monthly basis or however however frequent they were um and then you know short conversations here and there whatever uh but then it was all right this is Winifred's last day boom that's it you know and it was like and I, and I see her you know, she she joined the other um, the the company director, and I was like, oh man, great. She you know moving on. She's doing great things and everything. But that whole other part of the story that she shared, I had no idea that that was what she was going through. All I saw was this is perfect example right here. So all I saw was wow, she's now she was a program manager at Hopkins. Now she's going to be a director. Wow, look at that, man. She's she's moving up. You know, a director. This yeah. is great. This is awesome. Not knowing the struggle that she was going through with her family, not knowing the 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 the, the illness uh, and health that was going on in her family. And I'm just looking at a profile. I'm just looking at quote unquote a social media LinkedIn of her quote unquote going through success, but not realizing the pain and the suffering and all the different things that was going on in her life, having half her body 
uh, paralyzed, you know, in paralysis, you know, in order for yeah, her to yeah, make yeah. this decision. So I say all that to all the all the travelers out here is that this is what we do every single day, right? We see people's lives and we see, oh, this is where they are. This is where they are. Oh, man, this is great. Da, da, da. But we have no idea what, what they're that, really going what through. they're really going through. And it's great. It's even worse for me. It, it touches it touches me even more because you know we were we were in the same organization. You know we were we were we were seeing seeing each other. Imagine those people that don't even see nobody. They don't even they don't even really know the person. They just see the yeah. person, you know, uh, on a only profile, on Facebook, on, or, on Facebook yeah. only on on Instagram, just following the influencer. And you're 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 basing where you want to be in life mm. off of what they're doing. And you have no yes, idea sir. what they're going through. And, and you know, uh, let me, yeah, let me share something. When you talk about why don't um, black people, um, when you asked Marlon, when you asked about how come when black people just want to um, help each other and help their community, we get this pushback, right? So it's external. And then how I told you it's internal, right? right. When I was at Hopkins, I told that meeting that Ricky and I um, would meet at, this was VP. These were big people at this meeting, monthly meeting. So I'm, I'm a very smart girl. I told everybody in that meeting that I was saying goodbye to, I said, you know, I have to leave. I'm, I'm taking a position. Um, uh, as director of a special education school because I need to be amongst people of a different socioeconomic status. I mm. said that. I said that to one of the one of the guys that report directly to the to the president. Do y'all hear that whistling? Yes. Yeah, I hear that. Hold on. Well, that's her. Uh, while she's um taking care of that, Rick, this is a very good topic that we're talking on. We we didn't plan for this, but this is a very I'm sorry, that, that no? was my daughter was making tea. I figured. I figured. I knew it was some kind of tea, oh. but I thought it was Ricky because his he, his wife is a Trinidadian, and we love we us island people. We love tea, so I thought it was his, his wife over there doing that. <laughs> oh, so when I was working at Hopkins, right? I was looking. I was learning about schools, and I saw a name of a school, and I ran to this white woman. I ran to her office at Hopkins, and I said. You have five minutes? I said, who's these people? Like, they have your name. Who are they? And tell me who they are, what's going on? They have the school. She was laughed at me so, Winifred. She said, that's my father-in-law. Um, if you're interested in going to that school, let the admissions lady know that I referred you. Okay? Mm, this yeah. is a white woman. And I said, oh, okay, thank you, thank you. But I knew my daughter was struggling to read. We didn't have the diagnosis. Well, the school said she had a specific learning disability, but didn't tell me the word dyslexia at the time. And I didn't know that it was dyslexia falls under that category, right? I say this to say the white woman gave me a referral, okay? In that meeting, when I was leaving, I told, you know, folks, bye, you know, it's my last time at the meeting. I have to leave because my daughter is dyslexic and I need to be amongst people of a different socioeconomic status. So I leave Hopkins and I'm at an event in the community where I have my volunteer buddy who runs the Baltimore City Support Group with me and her daughter testifying. Her daughter's dyslexic and she's testifying and we're there. There's a gentleman sitting right next to me, an older white gentleman. He looks so familiar. I keep glancing over at him. We're both taking notes diligently. I even have my Hopkins local bag with me. Mm. Right? And so when I saw his shirt, I was like, oh my gosh. I said, you look so familiar. Have I worked with you in higher ed somewhere? And then he says, oh, well, I work at Hopkins. And he said um, something. 
whatever he said, it made me say, oh, I used to work there. I was on the Hopkins local. When you say Hopkins local, the higher up, they know. He was like, oh, so-and-so is here, a black woman. I said, oh, she is? I have to say hello. So I go up to her and I say hello and I um, make her remember me. And I say, yeah, I had to leave. My daughter is dyslexic. I'm here today um, because I'm helping a family. You know, one of my volunteer parents is, is her daughter is testifying. You know what this black woman says to me? She says, yeah, my son is dyslexic, but I had the means to get him help. That's mm. all she said to me. <laughs> I wanted to chop her in the throat. <laughs> mm. You know what I'm saying? When I went to that white woman, she gave me a referral. Referral, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So we don't even help each other out. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. her to say, oh, well, you know, my son's dyslexic, but I had the means, you know, I sent him, you know, I had the means, black woman. Mm. Black woman. So, you know, it has to be, it, we have to discuss it. We have to talk about it. We're here in Baltimore City where um, 78% of fourth graders are not reading proficiently, mm. right? 77 Hispanic children, fourth graders are not reading proficiently. These people, these young people, these fourth graders, they turn into adults right? They're here in the city. They want jobs. They're bright, but they haven't been given the tools for them to be successful. You know, I, I, I started featuring Black and Dyslexics um, on my Instagram. I would spotlight. That's how I got the um, vision to do the podcast, the Black and Dyslexic podcast. I was featuring um, and spotlighting celebrities, but then I thought, let me do everyday dyslexics. Mm -hmm. I'm at the barbershop because my hair was like Ricky's before uh, the pandemic. <laughs> I'm too scared to go to the barbershop and um the owner follows me out one day and he says hey um Winifred he said I know uh the young lady who referred you work at the dyslexia school with you but you know every time you come in here your energy is just something about it and he said I know you're planning this trip to Portland and y'all talking about Airbnbs but he said I just wanted to let you know that I'm dyslexic I said you mm. are he said yes but I was dumped in school I mean in classes where they didn't help me he said I learned on my own I saw research in successful dyslexics and he said and um I just feel like I could be further in life had I gotten the help I needed he said and sometimes I'm still a little insecure because I read slow but I use a lot of assistive technology and and audible I you know I, I read books I ear read I said but you're still reading them you're accessing the information he said yeah and I was able to get my CDL license he said but when I open up this barbershop I feel like I finally made it this young mm. man's probably like 27 anywhere from 27 to 32 right and he's sharing this with me and I said well I would love to be able to feature you you're a successful entrepreneur on my black and dyslexic spotlight on Instagram apparently he has a huger following than I do so a lot of people saw it he, the next time I went to the barbershop, he's like, oh my God, thank you. I said, thank me for what? He was like, you don't know what that did for me. So many people reached out to me and said, yo, man, I struggled to read too. I thought it was just me. I didn't even know it was called dyslexia. Mm. You know what I mean? So I don't not only want to help my daughter, but I want to help black and brown folks. I want to remove the stigma. I want to educate people and I want to help them offset the cost. So we provide stipends for advocacy services, specialized tutoring and access to neurological evaluations because it's necessary. It's needed. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So share share with our travelers and our listeners how they can get in contact with you um whether uh website, social media, 
phone number, whatever you want to give. We yep. want to make sure that they are able to get in contact with you. Sure. You can reach me on the web at www.soallcanread.org and across all social media platforms, So All Can Read. Perfect. 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 Go, go ahead, ahead, Rick. Go ahead. Yeah, you do your thing. Yeah, I was going to man, as travelers, man, we hope that, man, you have really taken this in. We, I'm, Oh, man, we, we we reach out to people and say, hey, you know, we, we would love to be on your show. And, you know, we have an idea of the direction the show is going to go in and, you know, the impact that individual is going to bring. But Winifred, you have just really exceeded, you know, what we were even expecting. And we really appreciate everything that you have brought to this platform uh, today and to all of our listeners. Um, questions and, and, and thoughts and situations that a lot of people don't think about, don't talk about. Um, but that are very, very essential for, especially the black community to be aware of so that we can make, make these changes. So, you know, I, one question that we always ask our guests before they leave us, um, and we want to give you a chance to answer that question as well. Um, you know, when you look back you, you gave us a, a great Snapchat, snapshot overview of just your life and where you came from, but if you can go back to Man, let's just, I always just pick a random time frame in your life. And this time I'm going to pick uh, uh, that move to North Carolina. Uh, if you can go back there and, and you were out in a parking lot and you saw your old, your young self, younger self, not young self, younger self, walking into uh, that school building and you had one minute with her, what would you, what would you whisper into her ear? Oh my gosh. I Wow, that's Ricky. That's <laughs> wow. I would, I would tell her, you got this. Be fearless, and be yourself. Mm. You got this. Be fearless and be yourself. Be fearless. Write that down, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just let her know you got this. You know, be yeah. fearless and be yourself. Yeah. You know, be your authentic, be, be yourself. You're moving from uh, New York to North Carolina, people have all these perceptions about you. Oh, you're so rude. And look, I never dated an American until I moved to North Carolina. I didn't know what that was. Mm. <laughs> I in Flatbush in Brooklyn. I mean, Jamaicans, right? <laughs> Jamaican, Haitian, Trini, Guyanese, everything like Flatbush. I knew how to wine before I knew how to dance hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much more that we didn't um cover because you know, um we're, we we'll definitely we we say this to a, a lot of our guests, but we're gonna de definitely just put it on your calendar that we're gonna, you know, it's TBD of course to be determined. Um, but we're gonna have to have a part two because you talk about your eight brothers and sisters and they were um or your nine they were one way and you end up you know scholastically you you climb the charts and stuff like that so we're gonna have to also deep dig deeper into that to see how did you t take yourself out of that mold and understand how, that you had to be fearless and be yourself so i uh from the bottom of my heart i want to tell you this episode right here uh i want to thank you uh for coming on and being fearless and being yourself and uh talk about the topics that uh some people are just scared to have in this kind of um environment yeah Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm, you know, I'm always transparent and I always share. I mean, 
that is one story. You know, I was sexually assaulted by my brother. That's another story. <laughs> like, that's another story. You know what yeah. I mean? And mm. and then you know, with the nonprofit, we've got a whole nother arm where we want to go in and help businesses integrate neurodiversity into the workplace for improved performance and success. Because folks like me show up in the workplace and don't know they ADHD, mm. and it still impacts impacts them in the workplace. So I'm down to share to discuss whatever. I can roll with any angle. Which way yep. you want to take it? <laughs> Definitely. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll be reaching back out and um Definitely. Uh, Ricky, uh, uh, to have you back on. Uh, probably we'll do it um in a setting that all three of us are in the same environment, um or same place and yeah. uh have 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 that kind of uh talk around a round table or something. Absolutely. Oh, y'all got a round table. What color is it? Uh, um, whatever color you want it to be, whatever tablecloth. We have tablecloth. Yeah, we have tablecloth. Yeah. <laughs> hey, with technology, we can make Wait whatever minute, color you round, want it to be. The round table with tablecloth. Yeah, with tablecloth. <laughs> <laughs> whatever color you want it. With traveling. Yeah. yeah, 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 right. <laughs> with travelers, man, we have come to the end of another show, and man, we hope that everyone has enjoyed this one. Uh, remember, go to our website, The Success Journey Show, and from there you can see all of our previous podcasts. You can also get us and uh, listen to us on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Don't forget, we still have tons of of, of product there waiting for you. Uh, we have the bags, we have the t-shirts, we have the books. Uh, go on out there and go ahead and support uh, the success journey show as you're supporting us you're supporting the feeding the homeless um in the alexandria uh area woodbridge area of, of maryland and beyond right they, they, we touch yeah even beyond that yep it's so uh, yep so listen guys um like i said this show is not just for, for us but it's for you helping you get to your, your destination so everyone we will see you next week at the same time same place on the success journey show Everyone have a good one. Peace. You've been listening to the Success Journey Show, where your dreams, drive, determination, and diligence are the foundation to success. For more information, check out thesuccessjourneyshow.com. The Journey Squad is here helping you to your destination.